This is episode two with CEO and founder of 262 Hospitality, Christian Castro. My name is Chuck Belden. I'm a relationship builder, a connector, a family man, a sales and marketing mentor, a real estate advisor, a huge dreamer, and a storyteller that loves to talk about things that matter with people that care. And friends, this right here is the Build It Better podcast. It's a personal and professional development podcast for those like you that are yearning for something more. Here we will discuss what it's like to be an authentic human being that wants to positively impact the world through cultivating better relationships and building better businesses and designing better lives with a focus on real conscious connections and mentorship because people and relationships are what matter most. We'll uncover stories and explore tangible steps on how to have it all without losing it all and learn the importance of authenticity and relationship building and creating the right culture, empathy, vision, mindset, and how all of these contribute to a more fulfilled life and goal attainment. In this podcast, you're going to hear how others have succeeded by focusing on these key ingredients and how they would personally mentor you to do the same. Now let's get going. Self-awareness is accepting your shortcomings and accentuating your strengths. It's being at peace with yourself and your skill set. Try to get to a place where you understand yourself and what your strengths are and then go all in on those. That's, that quote is from Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm so excited that you're here today as we dive into this a little bit more. I believe many of us have a voice inside of us that's yearning for more. It's begging for deeper relationships and to create something unique and special and to help others succeed and to achieve more. But too often we fall short of our goals and our dreams and there's one crucial first step that many of us miss. On today's episode, Christian Castro, the founder and CEO of 262 Hospitality, is going to give us the goods and help us unlock our true potential by getting us clear on this crucial first step. For over 10 years, Christian has been coaching and mentoring hospitality industry professionals all around the country. With his background as a professor in higher education at Johns Hopkins University and an MBA to go along with it, his vision for becoming the education source for the hospitality industry is becoming a reality. And whether you think you are a hospitality professional or otherwise, I challenge you to approach your career and your life like you are. Can you imagine what might change for you if you operated your business or your life like everyone you came in contact with was a guest at your own five-star hotel? Can you think about that? The relationships you would build from that? Christian has been uh, published in the Journal of Product and Brand Management for his work in relationship marketing. He's led multiple workshops in business, time management, marketing, and branding, and the common thread through all of his work is his love of people and putting relationships above all else. And this is evident in his personal mission to connect the world and to make a positive impact and provide value for each person he comes in contact with. And I have no doubts that that is about to happen for you right now. And I appreciate you jumping on and being able to, uh, to give me my first, well, my second podcast, but my first ever Zoom podcast. So, I mean, this is a, this is special territory for you. Are you excited? I feel, I feel special. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't even contain it. If you can tell, 
I can't contain my excitement. I can see that you're about ready to bounce out of uh, whatever you are sitting on. So I can totally tell. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to do this. You know, I've been thinking about um, launching this podcast for some time now. And uh, just, you know, so many things were preventing me from doing it, you know, and they all boil down to excuses and fear or whatever. But the whole time I was processing wanting to do this, um, you were, you were the guy I wanted to talk to, you know, I've got like, I got like four or five guys in mind and you were right up there as, you know, the dude I wanted to spend some time talking with mm -hmm. just because of, you know, um, how long we've known each other, where we both came from. And you've always been somebody that inspired me along the way. And I really just, um, I'm super grateful to have you as a friend in my life and I'm super grateful to have you join me here tonight. But, you know, for those of you that are out there, you know, watching and listening in, uh, in podcast land, you know, I'd love it if you would just spend a minute or two and just kind of introduce yourself, maybe give us a little bit of backstory about who you are and what you're up to these days. Yeah, I need to work on my uh, elevator pitch for <laughs> myself um, because it's, it's all over the place, but I'll try my best That's to fine. make it simple. Um, so um, hospitality background, um, I'm an army brat. So I kind of moved everywhere. I always say, uh, you know, from everywhere, live nowhere. And uh, sorry, let's try that again. I've lived everywhere from nowhere. <laughs> that makes more sense. Um, and, uh, and after college, I moved to Baltimore and got into hospitality, uh, which is where we met um, after a few years in Baltimore. Spent about 12 years in hospitality. Um, left in 2013. Uh, began, got into higher ed, began teaching. Um, and then I got started my own company in 2017 and kind of married the two of my passions, which is teaching and hospitality and started a hospitality training company, which is called 262 Hospitality. So check it out. 262 <laughs> and there's the pitch. <laughs> no, but what's, uh, so did you, did you always think you'd be a, an entrepreneur or a business owner? Was that something you always thought that you'd get into or how did that happen? Um, how did I, so this wasn't my first business. I had had businesses before that. To answer your question, no, I never, I don't know when that happened. Like it actually, okay, so it happened by accident. So looking back, um, my parents were entrepreneurs. It wasn't really obvious, but my mother had always had, she's a hairstylist, so she always had a salon growing up. She mm. ran it out of the house. Now My she mom did that too. Really? Yeah, I never knew that. You never made that connection? No, never. Yeah. yeah, so she used to do it out of the house. So it was a home business and it never resonated with me growing up. Now she actually has, you know, a studio where she lives in Richmond. Um, my dad tried, you know, tried to get into entrepreneurship. He used to be a DJ. And then he started like a radio show and then that kind of parlayed into this like CD selling business, which unfortunately, um, you know, CDs, it was kind of the tail end of when CDs were kind of dying down. So that didn't work out, but he's always kind of had the entrepreneurial spirit. And so I never looked at it as entrepreneurship, but if I look back at my family, there was entrepreneurship there and I just kind of fell into it by accident. Yeah, but it was always right there in front of you. So it was like you were learning, you know, even when you didn't know you were learning, you know, I think that's some of the best, best teaching for sure is those things that are happening all around us when we're, uh, when we're not quote unquote paying attention, you know? Yeah. And one of my buddies, it was back in, it had to be 2010, 2011. One of my buddies had 
called me and was asking me for advice regarding DJing and like his pay and how he can negotiate more pay. And we were just talking. We ended up having these like weekly conversations. And then I noticed that I was getting more calls about hospitality. And it got to a point where my buddy was just like, you should like think about getting paid for this. And I'm like, yeah, I really should. And he sort of uh, was a catalyst in, in me beginning my entrepreneurial journey. And we, um, you know, we kind of started a deal where he was like, I'll, you know, I'll fly you. He was in Raleigh. I fly you to Raleigh. And, you know, I was going to work pro bono, but then they would pay for like my travel costs. And that was the beginning. And it's just, it's taken so many twists and turns since then. It stopped and then picked back up. But um, I'll tell you what, it's been like, so far, it's been an incredible, you know, incredible sort of roller coaster ride, I'd say. So where, so where are you based out of full-time right now? You're spending some time in Raleigh. Where are you full-time? Uh, Baltimore. I would say I live in Baltimore, but my clients are all over the place. I mean, I have their clients in Seattle, Washington, um, well, actually, it's Yakima, Washington. Nobody knows that, so I say Seattle. <laughs> Washington State, Toronto, um, Maryland, Raleigh, D.C. So, fortunately, a lot of what I can do is through Zoom. And so, um, a lot of the virtual stuff can happen through my job. So, I'm trying to build a digital company where I'm not tied down to one location. But I do live in Baltimore. I love Baltimore. Um, and I always think this will be kind of like my home base. Yeah. No, I love that we can do things like this um, with with Zoom and and have a have a call where you know we're we're not in the same room physically and we can put something together yeah. like this, like we're sitting side by side. So I'm 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 super uh, pumped that that we can do things like this, and I think it gives us a chance to connect on a, such a bigger scale, but feel like we are side by side. You know, I I really do uh, enjoy this. But so you mentioned the name of your company, you mentioned two, six, two, and there's gotta be a story behind that. And I think I know a little bit about it, but I wondered if you'd like dive into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So my first company that I had mentioned was called 26.2 consulting. So the name comes from 26.2 miles, which is the distance in a marathon. Yep. I know it well. (laughs) Yeah. So did you run a marathon? Yeah, I did. I hated every second of it. Which one? I did the city of Oaks in Raleigh in 2008. And I think it was all uphill. I don't know how you can do 26 miles straight uphill because it never came <laughs> down. And then I did a half in DC and I did a half here. And uh, um, it was funny because I'd never run a, a 5k. I started right with a marathon and then I did a half and now I'm working backwards. But uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. But yeah, crazy. So, so, uh, 26.2 just had a special meaning to me. It was I completed a marathon in 2006, the Baltimore Marathon. It was the first bucket list item that I crossed off my bucket list. Mm-hmm. And, um, and more importantly, what I learned was, so this was like three years after I finished my marathon, I just saw a lot of correlation in the entrepreneurial journey in marathon. So like what it takes to be successful, like the characteristics, the traits, I feel like they, there's a lot of correlations. And also when I ran the marathon, I felt like it's kind of the same journey, right? Like not many people actually complete a marathon when you talk about the entire world. And so there's just like a really, really small subset. And I felt the same with, with marathoners. And like, there's all these things that like, you start something that you know, is going to kick your ass. You know that like there's going to be this wall. You're going to, like, you know, all these challenges and you still choose to do this 
miserable experience. And not that like entrepreneurship is miserable, but it's the odds are stacked against you, put it that way. So um, I just felt like it was really, it was a really um, important figure in my life. And so I decided to translate it to business. So when I had my first company, um, I ended up putting it, like kind of putting it on pause after a couple of years to, to get into something else. And when I revisited my company in 2017, I knew that 262 was part of the name. The problem is I was thinking back to when I had my first company and 26.2, you can't have a URL that's 26.2. And so my URL was, Two six P O I N T two and I'm like that's just a horrible URL. <laughs> so I two six two hospitality and two six two LLC. So yeah, that that's kind of where it came, came comes from. And to like wrap it all up, sort of my my main message to my clients is you know um, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So that's kind of the idea that I go with when I work with my clients. Like we we try to pace ourselves, and so there's all these correlations. Well, that, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I'd I'd really like to hear a little bit more if if there's more to it because, you know, I think in today's um, uh, man shortcut kind of world or looks cool to put CEO in your Instagram headline or serial entrepreneur as so many people throw around these days that have really never been through building a business or building a successful business. You know how to how do you how do you get that point across? How do you relate to a an up and comer that is, you know, that wants to build a business that's out there, you know, and they think they're hustling or think they're going through the, whatever it takes to do it, but really maybe doesn't fully get that. It is a marathon and not a sprint. Like how much of that do you actually do? Do you bring into your coaching sessions? And when you talk with clients or you talk to new people? Um, I think I, so I do a lot of work on the front end. Um, You know, my, my philosophy has, evolved and went through so many iterations and so where i'm at now is not so much telling people that there's this is the way it should be done more in finding alignment so i'm not if i meet a client i know what my client looks like and so what i'm trying to get to is to understand if we're aligned in philosophies or at least if they can see you know they may not have a philosophy but if i can start talking to them if it resonates, if my philosophy resonates with them. So where I've shifted is I, I try to really explain to them how I work. And if that vibes with them, cool. If not, I'm not in the business of trying to shift their mindset. It just doesn't fit. So I'll spend a lot of time. I mean, most people in my industry, the, the coaching consulting industry, they'll usually do like one free consultation. I'll tell you what, Chuck, I, I won't give a proposal until I'm at least four to five hours in, which is absurd just because I want to make sure that it's the right fit. And again, you know, kind of my mantra is like, you know, it's like slow is fast and fast is slow. Like I take it real slow, but then when we get moving, we get moving. So um, yeah, I think early on when I first had, when I had my first iteration of the company, I would just try to take any client and make it work. I've had to get comfortable with, finding my right client and finding alignment, which is so important to me and being okay if we're not aligned to kind of passing on an opportunity. I think there's such a a bigger, deeper message in all of that, that I think so many people, I think maybe miss. And it's really sitting down to figure out, you know, who, who you are, 
you know, yep. and really knowing your, your vision and your why and what you want to do and then finding those that align with it. And I think so many people, you know, outside of business, but definitely business comes to mind, um, are, are out there just trying to get anybody as a client or anybody as a, a partner or anybody as a whatever, instead of really sitting down, sitting down, taking some time to go within, figuring out who they are and what's important, and then really finding those, those true matches. So I think, I think what you're doing is, is, is right. And I think that it's probably kind of rare. Well, I appreciate you pulling that from that because I didn't directly say it, but that is exactly what I'm, what I'm trying to impress, which is, it's more about learning what I'm looking for, what's important to me and articulating that and then seeing how a client could respond to it or a potential client. And, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to shift. I'm not perfect at it, but I really try to shift to not really giving advice unless you're a paying client. I'm not really spending my time trying to give advice. I'm spending more time trying to evaluate myself and sharpen the saw but there's this quote that I'm, I've been saying for the past, I stumbled upon it a couple of months ago and I've just been saying it to anybody that listens. I probably already told you, but it's a Rumi quote. And if people don't listen to Rumi, like, or um, look up Rumi, like Rumi has some awesome quotes. And one of my favorite quotes, which I'll jack up is, um, at first I thought I was clever. So I tried to change the world. Now I know I'm, or now I'm wise. So I'm changing myself. And yes. like, that has been my mantra since I found it. And it means so much to me because that's kind of how I used to look at it as far as like, Oh, I want to change everybody else. When the reality is what I, where I'm at now in my life is it's about focusing on me and working on me and not trying to like change those people around me. Yeah. So I, you know, a big part of why I want to do this podcast is to hopefully help, um, well, not hopefully, because we're going to, to help. Um, I think there's a, more of a focus here for young men, but to help men um, just uh, live better lives, build better businesses, have better relationships. I think that's the key to all of us is to build better relationships. And I think, I think men typically aren't conditioned or taught or whatever to spend a lot of time um, getting quiet and figuring out what's important to them. I think there's so many things pulling our attention here and there that when we often just try to go, 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 and then realize, you know, I picture this uh, climbing the ladder of success, getting to the top of the ladder and being like, holy shit, I'm on the wrong ladder, you know, like, and never really taking the time to figure that out. And so, you know, how, how do you think that we can do a better job of, of helping men in general, whether they're businessmen or, or whatever, um, slowing down to, to figure that sort of stuff out and to take the time to really, you know, to earlier in life, figure out what's important to them so that they, they, they don't have to, you know, to, to go through the pain. Well, maybe they do have to go through the pain, but they don't have to do this much later on down the road. So for me, again, um, I don't know, you know, the answer, answer I think is different for everybody, but for me, how I want to do it is, by putting myself out there as much as I can. So if um, for people who follow me on social media and you follow me on social media, um, my Instagram has been something that has really come to the forefront of my life. Whereas like, well, and shout out to cash underscore here, you can follow me cash here. But like, if you go to 
you knew me back like in Facebook days. If you go to my Facebook, I posted nothing. It was there just so I could look at information. I'm generally, I'm extroverted, but like I'm generally a private person. And so I never would put myself out there ever. I, I, it just was against my nature. And so about a, I would say maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago, I just decided to make a shift to kind of putting myself out there. And I just felt like, I was disingenuous when like I'm dealing with all these clients from like clients that end up being marketing clients that, like from that perspective. And you talk about this authenticity and, and being your authentic self, all this other stuff. And I'm not doing what I'm asking them to do, you know, and I wanted, and, and a lot of it was just learning. I wanted to learn social media because the digital movement is something that's just here to stay. And so I really decided to learn social media and commit to it and now I love my Instagram and I love you know I, I, I kind of break it down I don't do too much business but I put myself out there and so back to your question the big thing is we're fortunate right now to be in a time when we can be vulnerable whereas my father and my grandfather you couldn't be emotional you couldn't cry you couldn't say I love you you couldn't do any of that stuff yeah. Now you can. And that is something that is really, really awesome because I think it's important for, for people to be able to do. And so all I want to do is I want to put myself out there and hopefully that makes somebody, you know, somebody who looks at me, whether it be a, a man, an old man, a young man, whatever, look and say, you know what, it's okay for me to be vulnerable. It's okay for me to show my emotions, to express my feelings, to say, I love you, any of that. So that's, I think, just by example, not just on media, but actually putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, I think, will, um, will in turn give off an energy that like other people will realize like, man, I can do that. And if, if, if somebody's looking up to you and they see you doing that, they're going to be likely to do the same thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just, you know, it's putting it out there and put and creating an environment that um, people don't feel alone. You know, I think so many, so many of us think we're, you know, uh, going through whatever we're going through all by ourselves, not knowing that all seven point whatever billion people that came before us are probably going through the exact same things. And as long as we can put our, I, I agree, I think putting ourselves out there, like, you're not, you know, you're not putting all your, you know, dirty laundry or whatever it is out on line all the time, but you're putting it out there and, and being vulnerable and being authentic and people can pick up on that. They know if you're, if you're, if you're bullshitting them or not. And so if you're putting it out there and you're just being real, like people will connect to that and they'll feel something and they'll feel inspired and they'll feel safe. And I think that's what, one of the things I want to create through all of this is just give people an opportunity to, to, to feel those things and to be okay. Um, putting themselves back out there because I think that, you know, there's such a, there's such a wall up. I mean, so many of us put such a wall up and we just go through with these surface relationships and life is just so much better when we can let that down and really connect. And, you know, you and I were, were in this room together on your birthday, you know, uh, um, last month. And just, um, when I think, you know, there was what 15 of us guys in there from all walks of life. And when yeah. those walls, came down and were able to just have a, a real authentic conversation. Like I think everybody left that room just feeling like 
feeling taller, feeling more powerful, feeling more connected, feeling, you know, not alone that other people thought and felt the same things. And I think that like, I feel like I have a responsibility, a duty to know that or to help people know that coming from, you know, a background I came from where that wasn't the norm, just like you, that, that wasn't the norm until, you know, I'm in my mid forties now and that's just kind of new. And if I can help somebody else feel this and experience this earlier in life, then, then I'm going to go do that. Yeah. And I, and it's important to know it's not just social, right? Like I'm not just putting myself out there in social media and you know this cause you, you interact with me. I put myself out there personally, you know, and I do both. And that, you know, the, the, my birthday, what you were talking about, like, it was, it was apparent. It was a very special day by anybody who, who, by any account, you know, anybody who was there knew that there was something special about that day. And there's a couple of pieces to that formula, which none of it was planned. It was just, let's get, my whole thought was like, let's get some great people who I respect, who have sort of like, again, they're aligned in their mindset. Let's get them in a room together and let's just see what happens. And it was the second year doing it and, and it was magical. But the, the, the thing was that you can see, and my biggest takeaway was once one person put it out there and there was no agenda, there was no plan. It was actually just the whole thing was in introduction. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> it evolved into this, this whole different thing, which was like vulnerabilities and, and insecurities and, aspirations community and even like social justice issues yeah, race relations all sorts of things came from it but what what was so apparent to me was that people are like yearning to to have that people are yearning to, to express it and all my birthday was all that gathering was was permission to put yourself out there and you could see people were different parts of the spectrum some people were just talking like dominating the conversation other people were just taking it in and maybe they weren't there yet but there's some incredible um some so there's some incredible movement that happens when we leave that room because you know like i, I can't even begin to tell you like the conversations i've had after it where people are just like man i needed that yeah yeah no i feel it I feel it. And I think that, I think that is, that's everywhere. You know, I think so many of us are, are looking for that deeper connection because I mean, that's, I think that's what this we're here for. I mean, that's what this whole life is, is here for is to, is to build real relationships and to connect on a deeper level, to, to live a life of service, to help other people. These are all important things for me, you know, and they're all things that I then um, uh, bring into my parenting philosophy. You know, it mm -hmm. is something that's really important to me to, to help my children um, uh, understand that at a younger age. You know, I look at, I've got this blank canvas in front of me and this real opportunity to help mold these little minds and, and mold them into, you know, um, uh, being good citizens, to being emotionally intelligent, to being authentic, to not being scared, to speak their mind, all these things, you know, and so, um, so much of that day was like, oh man, I'm, I've been craving this because this is what I'm, I'm trying to do also at home. And I know you're a dad as well. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about, about what it's like to be a, to be a dad, you know, what's it like for you? And, and maybe if you got a parenting philosophy and how you incorporate any or all of this sort of stuff into what you're doing, um, as a dad. Yeah. So two things, one is, um, 
relationships are the foundation of which I build everything. Like I just believe my competitive strategy is through relationships. Um, and it's just, it's where I believe success lies, at least for my company and for my business. Um, but it's the, the toughest thing to compete on. So my competitors, like you can get the same products. You can, you can say, you can create courses and call them the same name, but building the relationship is how I compete. The other thing is um, sort of the, the mission statement of my company is to connect to the world. And the idea is not just connecting one-to-one, -one, but I want to be able to connect you with somebody else yeah. and make those connections. So that's really important to know about me because it is at the root of my business and at the root of me as a person is this idea of relationships. Fatherhood is something that's been really a really, really cool experience, especially looking at it from a scholarly perspective. And I'm, I'm like an analytical person. So I think a lot about fatherhood. I'm any, for anybody who knows me, I'm really hated about relationships and especially marriage. I never knew if I would get married. I'm not married. I'm single, but I never needed to be married, but I always felt like I wanted to be a father. Yeah. And so fortunately that happened for me. And so, you know, my daughter's five and a half, she's incredible. And I feel really fortunate to, to have, you know, her as my daughter yeah. and she's made it really easy for me. But one thing that um, has stuck with me through the process, my mom gave me some awesome advice when Mackenzie, my daughter was first born, probably like a year into it. Um, she had said, because don't let your child prevent you from having a life. And through living your life, your child will grow up and live a life, right? Yeah. Like, and basically she was saying, don't make your child your whole world. Live independently. And then in turn, your child will see that and your child will have dreams and aspirations and won't rely on you. And so I see all these parents and it's their style and they can do it. But I see a lot of parents who they're defined by their children. Mm. And I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want to be you know, my child, like when some people are like, they, they make their whole world their child. Well, then when your child leaves, when they're 18 to go to college, what do you have? Yeah. You know, and so that has always stuck with me throughout, like to continue to work on myself as a person, not just as a parent, to continue to um, have dreams, have aspirations, to continue to live. And some of that includes her, but some of it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that has made all the difference. And I feel like through that, as I see her grow and evolve, um, I've encouraged her to be more independent and who knows how it ends up, you know, yeah. who knows if I'm doing it right or wrong. Um, I'm just a small piece of that formula, but you know, I'd tell you what, like when I look at her, I'm really proud and I feel like she's an awesome kid. And so I feel really fortunate and grateful, knock on wood, hopefully she keeps on that trajectory, <laughs> but um, she's independent and she's like, her own little person and I love it. So um, parenting has been a really cool experience. It's helped business management has helped me be a better parent, but parenting has, has helped me become a better uh, manager and also a better teacher. It's been really cool to see how those things work together. Yeah, I can totally see that. I can totally relate to that. I've, uh, well, I was thinking about something while you were talking about how, you know, when, when child goes off at 18 and then you're like, well, you know, what do you have now if that's been your whole focus? 
I, I flip it around too. And they're like, well, what do they have now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I heard somebody once describe a similar situation that is like you're raising zoo animals. You know, you, you've got this child who's been totally protected and uh, hasn't allowed to uh, experience new things or fail or to, uh, you know, to get out there and really figure out their own way. And you send them out into the world and they're like, they're like a zoo animal that's being returned to the jungle. And um, that's not going to be a good situation for anybody. I love, I love that. I love that. And I'll tell you what, um, one of the turning points for me as a parent, and I, I'm sure everybody, every parent deals with that is to realize that we have to allow our, our kids to make mistakes and we have to also allow ourselves to make mistakes as parents and not be so hard on ourselves or on, on them. Um, and I'll give you an example of this. I don't even know if I should tell this story, but I'll tell it. You should. A lot of people don't really prescribe to my philosophy, but um, I was at, I was, I took Mackenzie to a pool, a, to a friend's pool a few years ago. She must have been two or three. And she had her swimmies on and we were all playing. And I saw her after we took her swimmies off, you know, I told her, you know, you know, stay away from the pool. But I saw her walk towards the pool. She doesn't have any swimmies on. She, she can't swim. And in the moment, I decided to let her play out whatever was about to happen. And I'm standing behind her and she has no idea. So I'm right behind her six inches, but she goes into the water and just as if she had her floaties, she like belly flops in wow. and just plunges to the bottom. Now, I'm sure in her mind, it felt like, you know, an hour of sinking, but she goes in and I grab her and I pull her out and she's crying. And then I put her back in the water and we start joking and I'm like, you know, splashing around. And she's cool. Like, you know, she like, she wasn't crying. She like kind of freaked out for a second. Like, like kind of like this wasn't how I planned it. <laughs> and then I bring her right immediately back into the water and I'm just like, what's, you know, what's wrong. And, and so what I was explaining to her was like, there's consequences, right? Like you have to show, like I was a little fearful that she'd be like scared of the water and traumatized by the water forever, which she's not. But that was one of those things where I consciously decided as a parent that I'm going to let her jump in that water because she's going to know that if I'm not behind her, she's going to sink to the bottom of that pool. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, when I tell that story, certain parents are like, you're crazy. Like you're certifiable. But I think there's a lot of parents that understand that philosophy and children have to understand that there's consequences. And sometimes as a parent, you got to let them, like make those mistakes, even if it's for a split second. Yeah. It's like, it's like touching the top of the stove for the first time, or as a little baby that crawls off the edge of the couch for the first time, they got to relate something to it. So I, I don't, I don't fault you for that. Like I totally get it too. And that's something that you will stick with both of you for a long time, you know? So um, talk to me. I mean, I think that there's so much we can interrelate with parenting and business and you know maybe for some of the people watching us today you know they're not a parent but I, I look back to this sort of relationship we're talking about and sort of relate it to like mentorship you know I can, mm -hmm. I, can I can I can see how mentorship can can come and go like like a parent letting someone you know figure it out on their own it's a two-way street there's all this stuff that kind of happens when men, in mentorship I'm wondering how important of a role has mentorship been in your life as you are coming up have, have there been people in your life that have, um, I'm sure there have been, but have helped you get to where you are now? Like who, who, do, if you think back over the years, 
who are some people that come to mind that that you can really um, connect with as say you know that was a mentor either in my personal or professional life and kind of talk to me a little bit about that yeah so I've had a lot of people who I consider mentors I've never officially you know asked somebody to be my mentor um, I'm big on um, just if I, if I admire somebody, I like meeting them and like picking their brain on a one-to-one. I think the mentor that's probably had like one of the greatest impacts on me was um, when I was a graduate assistant getting my master's, I had the opportunity to connect with the vice president of the university just by chance. His name is Dr. Rubin. Um, I was at a, so the graduate assistant for leadership development and there was this leadership seminar. It was a panel discussion. And I just, I felt like if I'm a GA, I should probably just attend it. And then remember there was a moderator and four people and Dr. Room was one of those four people. And I remember the questions and all of them really, all the responses really sounded like fluff, except for Dr. Rubin's responses. He didn't say a lot, but when he spoke, everything meant something. Like there was power in every word he said. And I'm like, man, that guy knows what he's talking about. And um, I introduced myself afterwards, turns out, um, and I just asked him like, hey, can we connect sometime? He gave me his email. We ended up meeting in his office. Turns out we live like five blocks away from each other in Baltimore City. And we started this relationship where it almost, it was a mentorship, but it almost became more friends where from time to time we check in, we'd have dinner, coffee, whatever. And um, he was somebody, and he is somebody who, Really, um, he was in such a position of power, but he treated me with such respect and he took so much time, like I'll be forever indebted to him. And he gave me a lot of confidence in myself that I didn't really see. And that's right when I'm, you know, I'm finishing my master's. I'm, I'm like 26, 27. Like that's a really critical point in your career. So he was really important to me. And then there was other people along the way that, you know, I think anybody can be a mentor even if you don't have one-on-one conversations, you know, our relationship, um, you and I come from the uh, corporate hospitality and there's a lot of people all over the country who are doing things and you hear their name and you watch them and to see them in person and see how they work. Um, it's really cool. And so, you know, for, for you, I remember when we worked together, um, it was, I had the ability to work with you and see, a see a certain side of you in Baltimore and then you went to Raleigh and then I saw a whole different hat and we got the opportunity to work there together. And I remember just correlating the two and making observations and, and seeing your development or what I perceive as your development and, and trying to pull something from everybody I looked at because ultimately you were the GM and that's where I was trying to go. And so, you know, I think, I, I think, pulling from a little bit from everybody that are in places that you want to be is really helpful. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that mentorship is completely um, comes in all shapes and sizes and anybody can be a mentor. They, they don't have to be older. They can be younger. They can be exactly a, they can be a peer. It can be anything. But, and I, and I also think that it can be social, you know, like you said um, with the, the doctor that you started out with that it was a social relationship. It, but you learned so much from that that you applied to your business that you also applied to your personal life. Like I think mentorship is is key 
And for me, I, uh, I didn't have much of it when I was younger. Like I didn't have much of it yeah. in the form of, uh, father figures necessarily, or, uh, business role models or anything like that. And so I actually had to seek it out as well. And I think that whether you consciously knew you were seeking out a mentor when you, you know, you hit them up after that con or after that, um, that, that, that speech, that seminar that, um, but you were looking for something from it and it was, you know, it, it led you to that point. And I think that so many people, um, maybe don't know where to turn, don't know who to turn to, whether they're just starting out in their professional life or whatever. And, um, I hope to have a resource here for people to, to look at this like a mentor, you know, maybe there's some people listening today that have never, or may never meet you or I personally, but, um, I think some of the things you're saying today will connect on that level that, you know, you're being a mentor to somebody right now and you don't even know it. Um, part of that too is, um, you touched on mistakes for a minute and I, I love talking about failure. I think very few people like talking about failure because I think yeah. that so many people get scared or make it just negative. You know, they make it, they make it something that they're, they're afraid to talk about. Um, talk to me about what failure means to you and, and, and kind of the role it plays in, uh, in your life over these last few years. I think there is a fundamental misunderstanding of failure. I also think that there is, um, I think that there's not enough weight put on it. And, I, and even for me, it's in, when I teach as a professor, you know, the higher education system is built around success and built yep. against failure, yep. which, you know, I love teaching, but if I would build the model, it wouldn't be the way it is. It would encourage failure, would seek failure. And, you know, if you think about it, every single thing that is positive or successful comes from failure. Like literally nobody, like when you look at, when you look at a child, a child, all, all a child does is live in failure. <laughs> continues to like, you know, whether they, whether they try to stand up and they fall and they continue to fall or they try to speak and they can't speak. Like all childhood is, is failure and overcoming failure and growing. Greatest growth comes through failure, in my opinion. Um, so failure to me is something that I, I encourage. I try my best to seek failure, to seek discomfort. And I also try to encourage people to reframe how they look at failure you know, the most common sort of um, go-to is Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. They talk about fail faster. And the idea is to seek out failure because the more, um, the more you fail, the closer you come to success. And so on a very basic level, I believe in that. Yeah. Um, Jim Rohn has a quote, and uh, I'm totally going to mess it up, but it, he talks, he's talking about failure and, uh, and he says, um, you know, how long do you give the average child before you tell them, uh, that's enough. You're never going to get this walking thing, you know, just quit, <laughs> you know, like, what is it like six months, a year, six years? You're like, no, you keep going until you get it. Um, that cracks me up. And I, and I love the seek discomfort. You know, I, I tend to embrace the struggle a bit myself and, um, really, uh, you know, I think we only grow when we're under pressure, you know, and, um, my whole, adult life has been one big chance of personal development. You know, if I look back to um, who I was when you and I first met and knew each other, 
you know, I was, I, that person's dead. That person's gone. That was a whole different, that was a lifetime ago to me. Yeah. And the things I've learned along the way um, that have opened my mind to personal development and able to, to, to learn and to grow, it all does revolve around making mistakes and really getting okay with it. And another part of that is really detaching from what anybody else thinks, you know, and that was a hard one for me. I was so wrapped up for so long in what other people thought about me. And I still probably have moments where it comes in and goes where I, I like pause for a second and I, 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 I wonder what I look like, you know, like one for me is like, if I'm dancing, like my rule is like, I only dance in foreign countries because <laughs> I don't want anybody that knows me to see me. And that's all wrapped up in thinking what, or what worrying what other people think about me. So as of right now, you hear me, I'm throwing that rule out. Okay. So that rule has gone. I'll dance wherever I want to dance now. Oh, but, I'm going to hold you to that one. Oh. <laughs> I said, wherever I want, not wherever you want. <laughs> But I do uh, want to do everything I can to put myself in uncomfortable situations to grow from it. And so much of it is to shake off that thought of what anybody else thinks about me. Because at the end of the day, everybody is so wrapped up in their own stuff. Nobody's really thinking about what anybody else is doing or nobody cares about it. But we put so much weight on that. And it's something I've struggled with, I think, probably the majority of my life. I could probably figure out if we really got deep into a therapy session here about going back to six, seven years old and where that all came from. But I'm wondering, I mean, you seem like since I've known you to been a guy and I don't know if you're this way or if you just kind of act this way to, to really not put a lot of um, weight on what other people may or may not think is, is that the case or is that my perception? And if it is like, you know, have you always been that way or did you get to that point or, you know, what do other people's opinions mean to you? Wow. That's a good question. I never thought about that. Um, I'm trying to think of examples where I've like, uh, you know, so I have a lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances and, um, but there's like this deeper circle. And I think you're the same way where I can socialize with anybody, but there's like, I only give them so much. And then there's this, this extra like layer where if you get in there, you know, I used to say in college, um, you know, it's hard to get in the circle, but once you're in your gold and your family, and I think those people matter. And so, yeah, everything impacts me for sure. But I, I think compared to the average person, I certainly don't dwell on things or let, let it, let it impact me as much. So like my thing is I believe in the QB mentality. It's like, all right, yeah, I might feel for a second, but then like, forget about it, you know, like forget about the last play good or bad. And so I really try to stay as like level as possible, never too high, never too low. Um, but you know, I grew up kind of shy. I grew up like very, like, I think insecure, um, but through sports mm. gave me a lot of confidence. And as you know, through sports, especially like guys, you got to have thick skin and you got to have, a, you know, take a ribbing. And so fortunately <laughs> I have friends to this day from high school. There's a, like 10 of us on a group chain that are all best friends. Like, and they nobody can ever say things worse than them like in ribbing me so um i don't think 
yeah, things don't really stick with me very long that people say. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to be. I mean, I think there's people that are, that are in our circles, they're in our life for a reason. I think that, I think it's good to pay attention to what other people um, that are close to us may have opinions about, but also to not let it control or dictate any of our lives or any of our feelings or to dwell on things too long. You know, I think that people can be, um, you know, kind of beacons in our life or GPS signals in our life and they can help us stay on track or we can also use them to figure out if we're off track. But I think that um, at the end of the day, the best way to figure out what's best for us is to just actually sit down and figure out what's best for us. And everybody else has got so much other stuff going on in their lives that I really can't let someone that's all, you know, worried about what's going on in theirs also dictate what's going on in mine. So, um, yeah, I just always thought, I always saw you as a very confident uh, person and just wondered if, um, if you struggled with some of those same things that many of us have. And it sounds like you have. And I do agree that sports is, is a way to, um, to, to build confidence and to bust through some of those things. Also working in the hospitality industry was one for me, you know, being in a setting where you're con constantly surrounded by, you know, hundreds or thousands of people all the time and navigating your way through that, that's going to help, um, I think, learn how to make relationships and also build, could build self-confidence. At least it did for me, maybe it did for you as well. Um, go ahead. And I think it's self-awareness. I think it's self-awareness. Okay. Uh, to me, I think that's the greatest management trait and potentially like personal trait is the awareness piece. But, um, you know, I, I tell to my clients and I think it's the same thing for personal life is I think like I, I'm very intentional in who I receive feedback from. So my mm -hmm. clients, when you start a business, you're going to get a bunch of people telling, giving you advice. And, and all of it can be great, but you need to pick a direction and you need to have people who you trust and stick to it. Because if you, if like, I believe you should have one or two trusted advisors and just they're the ones that you go to that understand the progression and then you trust their feedback. It's the same personally. Like if you have people who truly know you, who, who can help you expose your blind spots as a person. And I truly mean this, it sounds really cliche, but like, then if somebody comes to you and they and they say you're X Y Z, well then you can go to that person and you, and you can say like, hey, is this me? Is this something I need to work on? And they can be candid with you and say yes or no. And that's one of the huge pieces is like, you know, having those people in your corner that can be brutally honest with you, and then those are the opinions that matter, and they can help you and support you through the process. Yeah. That's a great thing. You know, um, I, I really encourage everybody that's listening to find a couple people like that in your life. And then you have the courage to actually ask that question. I think uh, many people would be scared to ask the question, you know, where do you think my blind spots are? Or, you know, uh, what, what do you think my strengths are? Where are my weaknesses? Where do I need to spend more time? Because it, it is that 30,000 foot view of yourself that so many of us, I think, have a hard time seeing. I know myself for sure. I, I definitely need those kinds of people in my life. We we be that kind of person for me. We tell me my my weaknesses. Yeah, yeah actually, um, do you have three hours? No, no, no. no. Break right now. We don't need to <laughs> list them off right now. We'll follow up this call with a with private one. <laughs> um, you know, I think I want to. Um, I I love. I could sit here and talk with you for forever because I really do love the conversations, and I you know I, I kept this one kind of kind of surface just to see kind of where um, we could feel this out and see where we go with this. 
Um, but I think that we touched on, you know, multiple different topics that I, I think definitely have helped me and will provide value to tons and tons of people. But I really want to explore more of these conversations with you down the road, if you'd be open to doing this again. Oh, of course, man. However I can help. Because I, I do believe that um, these authentic conversations will be the catalyst for so many other people um, being able to do this, have these conversations with folks, and also just to uh, feel more confident in exploring you know, what is important to them and figuring out this, this thing, life, and, and not being on their own. Um, you know, just one last kind of question before we wrap up. Um, you know, I think that there's, um, I think so many people, I kind of think people define masculinity in different ways, but I think there's always this one, one look of it that's this tough, macho, don't cry, strong kind of uh, version of masculinity, right? And I'm interested in, 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 in adding some more uh, depth to that. Um, what do you think it means to be a man in you know, 2019? What's it look like to you? Is it, is it the same? Has it always been? Or is it a little bit different these days? Like if you could kind of put summarize all that into what it's like to be a man in today's world, like what would you say? Well, I mean, as far as the traditional definition of masculinity, I am not that. <laughs> I mean, I'm a pretty emotional person. <laughs> I, I cry at like everything. Um, I mean, even the like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I think most people cry, they oh, admit it. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what masculinity is. Like, I don't, it's, it's hard to put things in a box like that and i think it's more about what's a human being uh, you know because it's not that like like a masculine person doesn't cry and a feminine person does cry you know like whatever the traditional traits are i think we all have them it's just the extent of which we have we do have them um but you know i think it's it's more about how to be a good person a good human being and what does a healthy human being look like and i think um, you know, it's all different, but I encourage people to, um, just try to like dive into what, what they want to, like what, what, who they are from the self-awareness piece and who they want to be. Like, are they good with where they are or are they things they want to work on? Um, and emotionally that way too, like I'm big on, um, expressing myself, expressing my emotions, being vulnerable. That's not for everybody. I'm also big on gratitude. That's a huge thing for me is showing gratitude. And, um, and so those are kind of the pillars that I stand on. Um, so I, from masculine perspective, uh, I don't really prescribe to it. I don't think there's sort of that definition. Um, but I encourage us, like I encourage men to be more well-rounded emotionally and um, EQ is something that's really important right now in, in the world, business and personal. And um, I think EQ has, has to do with understanding your emotions and your responses. I nailed that one. Dude, you so nailed that one. <laughs> that was, that was good. Like really spot on. And um, I, I agree. I vibe with that. I think many, many people will. Um, I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you, for everything you've taught me over the years, for our friendship, for our working relationship, for you being here on this chat with me now. 
And um, where can everybody find you online if you want to give yourself a little, little more self-promotion yeah. here? Yeah, so my website is 262llc.com, so the number 262. Um, and then Instagram is the best place to reach me, which is cash underscore here. Um, so they can find me there. Um, I will, uh, and DM me, I'm, I'm, I'm really open and like I, I respond to all my messages. But, um, you know, in, in light of our conversation, I'd normally call you and tell this, but I think what's important, like you said, about our conversations, hopefully I can be on in the future and it, I'd love to be on in the future if I can provide value. Um, I think that it's good for people to see healthy relationships. So not even just our words, but we've been fortunate to be in each other's lives for a very long time. Yeah, and I think people can, if it's not just the words we're saying, just seeing our relationship. And I think we have a very healthy relationship. So with that said, in sort of putting my money where my mouth is, I would say it on a call, but I'm saying it now. I'm proud of you, brother. I'm really <laughs> proud of you. I'm glad you did this. I'm honored to be on it. I love you and I respect what you're doing. I appreciate that. That is the, uh, that is the nicest thing. And so I couldn't agree more. And, I think. And. And you love me. <laughs> and I do love you. I'm not afraid to say that man, 14 <laughs> years, 14 years. We've been friends. If you think about it, it goes back 14 years now. And, um, I think, uh, I think we're at a, a better spot now. Definitely as friends. I think we're both better people. I think it allows us to be better uh, friends to each other, better brothers. You know, that's something that's important to me. So constantly keep working on ourselves, constantly keep getting better, constantly keep doing things like this to hopefully serve and provide value to other people. So I am excited for the next one. I'm grateful for this one. And I'll, uh, I look forward to chatting with you again real soon, my brother. Thanks. All right, friends, I could have conversations like that all the time. And I'm so excited and so grateful and so pumped that you were able to sit in on that and listen along with me. I know I took so much away from it. I think I was most drawn to Christian's points about uh, relationships being the foundation to all success. I mean, that's something I have just always felt and believed in and uh, even more evident now. Um, I loved how he linked entrepreneurship to uh, a marathon and not a sprint. And, uh, you know, slow and steady is going to win the race. And I really think that those are some virtues and some values that we can instill into all of our friends out there now and really uh, set the stage um, for success and not for shame and for failure when things go awry because they will go awry um, but I took so much away from that today I hope you did too now if you did I've got a favor to ask I'm going to ask you to share this link wherever you're listening to this podcast share it send it out to two of your friends or three of your friends and see if we can help them get some of this good information that Christian was able to share with us today too post it to your Instagram stories right now and tag me I want to comment I want to see them I want to communicate with you I want to get to know you I want to learn more about what you're looking for and how we can go out there together and help more people so until next time let's work to inspire to serve and to build it better because you know what you have skills talents and unique abilities and the world needs those so until next time I'll see you soon <laughs>